everyone. I'm Courtney. And I'm Brittany. And we are pelvic floor physical therapists ready to talk about all things pelvic health. We're here to help normalize conversations that might be difficult to talk about and unlock the secrets to questions we get on the daily. So let's get started. Welcome to TMI Unfiltered. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode. Yep, we're going to talk about sex. <laughs> so exciting. We have a lot to talk about today. I know, but what are you doing this weekend? I'm going to Palm Springs for my friend's 30th. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be celebrating one of my um, longest friend's birthdays. <laughs> We've known each other since elementary school, so. How many years is that? <laughs> oh, sorry. Did I make you do math on the podcast? I no idea. She she looked like a deer. Since elementary she school. She was like a whatever. deer in the headlights <laughs> trying to figure I out. I have no idea. Math. I don't know. Don't ever ask me to do math. I will use my fingers. I'm the same I will way, calculate. <laughs> yeah, you're not good at math I'm either. I'm not good. <laughs> there was actually one time in. Do you remember in research? There was. It was basically this uh, study. They were looking at dual tasks. So it was like, can you <laughs> talk and uh, or can you text on a cell phone while doing other things? And the other things were math equations oh, and. Gosh. I got every single one of them wrong. I must have screwed up that <laughs> Was study. it easy addition and subtraction or It didn't feel math? very easy and you had all this stuff attached to you. And I think I was like, the I had to have been the outlier. I totally screwed up their research. There's no way <laughs> and it went well. But That's So do your funny. elementary school friends know we're doing this podcast? They do. Yeah. And I actually texted them asking them if they remember if we took a sex education class in middle school. Just out of the blue on a random Tuesday, your friends are like... In the group text, I was like, do you guys remember taking like a sex ed class growing up? And my friend said, yes. And I asked, what did we learn? Because I actually have no... I have no memory of this at all. Oh, really? And she said, we learned about using condoms Mm -hmm. and dental cams. Is that what it was called? Dental cams? It was something like con- mouth condoms, oh. like for oral sex. We didn't learn that. I had no idea. I didn't even know that existed now. I mean, I'm... You're right. I, don't, sense, I didn't though. know that was a thing. Yeah, it makes sense that it was a thing, you but... so many other things out there. Yeah. What, well, how old were you guys? Do you know what grade you were in? Well, that, I, that was in middle school, so middle school. it was seventh or eighth grade, but mm. I don't remember. I have no memory of this class at all. And I feel like in a, in a class like that, you should learn a little bit more about your body and yeah. a little bit more than just, okay, here, use a condom during sex, right? Yeah. Do you remember if you took so, a, a class We did. Up? I think it was sixth grade. I think it was sixth grade and... That's young. Yeah. And yeah. I just remember, I remember like everyone, like, because they had like the different, like the periods, it wasn't even periods, but I just remember that it was like, oh, oh. We know these people had already taken the class and they had the condoms and people were joking about it and I didn't even know what that was. What a condom was? No, yeah. Of yeah, course of I course. Didn't know that. No, in sixth grade. No, not in sixth grade. But nowadays, sixth graders are talking about all different types of Probably. things. Probably. Yeah. Do you know a sixth grader? <laughs> well, my, I don't know. My little cousins say things. I'm like, how do you know that? Oh, that's so nuts. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so we didn't really, I mean, I, it was a little bit of it and I remember, that, I think they did talk about the anatomy. Oh, and they... I think they showed like a pregnancy, like a video, a miracle of life. I don't oh, know when that was. Oh, Maybe that was high school's miracle of life. We got a little bit of it, but I just remember, I don't know. It's it, so I, interesting. You kind of dance around that topic and yeah. it's a, 
uh, growing up, I think it was just a uncomfortable conversation to have, whether it be at school with friends, with family. Anything sex is just yeah. off the top. And so people are growing up mm-hmm. and they don't know anything about yeah. th- these body parts and no wonder there's such a stigma. It's yeah. so nuts. I think there's just a, there's a disconnect between um, ourselves and our a main part of our bodies, which yeah. is our pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't look at that area. They pretend that that area doesn't exist. Yeah. I ask my patients, have you ever explored that area? And they're no, they say no, because they're scared to look down there. Yeah. Look, touch. Yeah. I've had patients where had like severe anxiety or one, one girl couldn't even touch her pubic bones so or right above, like under the belly button, right down there. And it, she would literally be tearing up. And she has, she's like, I don't know why I'm tearing up. Mm-hmm. But for her, that one was interesting because she hadn't had any sex ed at all. She grew up in a, in a Christian school and there was nothing at all. And so it's like, no wonder there's so much mm-hmm. um, stress and anxiety just in general with everyone. We're, we're just taught that this is also taboo and no one should talk about it. Yeah. So we should talk about it. We should talk about it. <laughs> I think that's I, where we should go. Even saying the word sex for some people is can be uncomfortable oh yeah i think yeah. i remember getting into this field and starting to like use penis vagina clitoris and say it so eloquently as i do <laughs> it was so weird at first right i had one no it's that, so natural oh i did have one patient it was so funny i said okay i want you to contract like you're trying to stop a fart and she's like she was in her 80s and she's like she just started busting out laughing i'm like okay well it's funny they think it's so funny yeah. but it's just words we use every day yeah. and, um and they're all normal words it's just I know there's always just some little hee hee about it. But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Do you remember having conversations with your parents growing up about about sex? Um, just I think it was just more of like don't do that sort of thing. <laughs> I had a I had a purity. Don't do my it. Mom it's was not just good. like no, don't do it. Blah blah. Like, but I remember I had a purity ring, and it was like my choice and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And my mom, I remember being, she's like, that was that's stupid. And I'm like, as a mom, you would think that that's what you want for your child, but. I don't know. It's just, it's just funny. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's, that's the extent of that. Yeah. <laughs> Demouched by childhood. Yeah. <laughs> what no, about you? I did not grow up in a house. I did not talk about it much. Mm-hmm. It was just an uncomfortable topic. Um, yeah. Even going into this setting, using all these words that I use now just wasn't as, didn't feel comfortable at first, um, first learning about it. And then, you know, having conversations with with my parents and things like that it was always like okay you know you need to wait and and sex is I sex is not I guess it just wasn't talked about as much I guess mine did say you need to wait as well yeah I, they didn't say, like, I don't think they said like you need to wait until something or yeah. like wait until marriage it was just sort of it's right dangerous one. you're gonna get pregnant if you yeah. have sex that was my perception of it if you have sex you're gonna get pregnant yeah um, which is obviously not the case, and it's a lot harder. As long as you're safe. As long as you're safe. That. Yeah. Of Let's course. dive into one of our cases. Um, so I had this patient. This is actually a really common, common patient case. Um, patient, she was 25, um, got married when she was 22, um, and it, her goal coming into the session was to be able to have sex with her husband. She found out on her wedding night that she was not able to consummate her marriage. Um, which was really, really like traumatizing and triggering for both of them. Um, she had pain with a tampon, so she's never used a tampon before. 
Uh, she grew up in a very religious, um, grew up very religious and waited till marriage. And so on that wedding night, she said that she remembers looking onto um, her husband's phone and, it, and he was he was writing down like why um, he had searched why um, does my wife not want to have sex with me mm. or something like that and so so she had um, so this was the first time that she was coming to see anyone to talk about it um, and she was like so scared just so scared to even like talk about these details something that's so intimate um, and that was basically her goal so we kind of talk about this case, uh, the diagnosis is termed vagismus. Um, there's different types when people can't have sex. There's different terms um, that we that we would diagnose them with. Uh, the two main umbrellas would be dyspareunia and vagismus. So, dyspareunia, I think of it as almost like a secondary uh, a secondary reason why you can't have sex. So this might be um, postpartum, postmenopausal. Um, this could be, um, any, I've had patients who've had long-term use of antibiotics, um, that kind of irritates that flora, um, the tissues of the vagina and it makes it really sensitive. So they're not able to have sex. So that's, dyspareunia is just in general, uh, umbrella term, they're, they're not able to tolerate any penetration. Whereas vagismus, the definition of this is an involuntary muscle spasm. So, it's an involuntary. They want to have sex. They they want to they want to be intimate, but the muscles are involuntary involuntary spasming, and that's what's causing them to not be able to participate in the act. Um, this can happen more so with people who have experienced any type of emotional abuse, sexual abuse, um, or um, high religious um, kind of like growing up in that taboo society, which kind of we all kind of do, and so. Um, those are kind of the two umbrella terms when we're talking between these cases. Maybe so which one would you describe your patient case as? She was vagismus. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different even categories within both of them, primary or secondary. So primary means it's the first time that she's ever tried intercourse, right? Um, and so that would be a primary vagismus. A secondary vagismus would be she may have experienced some sort of trauma in her life and that's causing this involuntary muscle spasm. So she had pain-free sex before, and then now she doesn't, which would mean it would be secondary. So this case would be primary um, vagismus. Mm. She has no other pain with anything else. Right? No pain with tampon use. She can't she, use it. She, she said, can't use a tampon, but nothing oh. like sitting on a bike, you know, or um, anything like that. That doesn't bother her. Mm. Um, whereas, and she just wants to be able to have sex. Mm. And so, yeah, that's kind of an interesting one. I don't know if you want to add anything that you've seen for any of the cases at all or just in general with patients um yeah a common I mean both we see a lot of in the clinic um and the the causes can really vary a lot of you know patients come in and also just kind of quoting um ACOG three and four women um will experience you know pain with sex at some point in their lives which is insane and, when and, you think about that. Three yeah. out of four. Yeah. Sometimes it goes away and sometimes there needs to be more, you know, treatment for it. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people don't know that pelvic floor physical therapy even exists. And so they go through their symptoms thinking that they just have to deal with that pain or and then push through, push through the pain. And then we think of these, you know, the more and more you try and then the more and more guarded these muscles get and then over time you're just in this like 
vicious pain cycle that's really difficult to break. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of patients come in with history of this chronic pain with intercourse and they keep trying and thinking the next time will be better. But then those muscles just learn this behavior of learning how to guard and tighten as like a protective mechanism. And so um, a lot of people that come in very similar to the case that Courtney was just talking about um, with history of like chronic UTIs and chronic yeast infections. And there's just all these tissue changes that occur at the vaginal region. And then the muscles, you know, end up responding to that as well. And then they end up having pain with intercourse. Um, yeah. I think kind of just kind of tapping on what you were describing is that a lot of people try and push through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we think about pain science, pain is our brain's best guess of what's going on in the body. And so when it comes to sex, if you're having pain, you start to what's called classical conditioning, right? We start to, the brain starts to associate intercourse with pain, which then heightens your pain response and then round and round you go. And so basically a lot of people usually don't go and try and get help because they are too scared. Um, A lot of times people will experience medical traumas, right? Where they'll go and they'll tell their doctor and their doctor's like, oh, just drink wine. I had one patient say that, and then she told her doctor, she's like, but I don't drink. Yeah, and then the woman's like, like, well, just use lube. Yeah, she's like, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. It, but those are the common responses that that patients get is that, oh, you know, discomfort is, a little discomfort at first is normal. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, maybe you're just not using enough lu- lubricant. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, it's just all in your head. Um, oh, I hate that one. That yeah. one doesn't make them feel so broken. Yeah. And the, the mind and your muscles do have this connection where you're, you know, when your body experiences pain, your muscles and your tissue remember that. Mm-hmm. And so before you even, you know, try to respond to something that was once painful, those muscles are going to guard and protect you. And the mind has a huge role in this too, because your mind and your muscles are connected in that way. And so this is not all in your head. This mm-hmm. is something that you can get help for and, and we'll, we'll get better. Yeah. And so what we did for this patient, so as a treatment plan, is one, we have to, you have to address the whole body, right? If, you, if we don't think about the, the, the mind component, then just treating down there, the patient's not going to get better. So I'm with this patient, always starting with just, we love to talk about breathing, but it's so important. It's the foundation of everything. So we worked on some belly breathing. It worked on connective tissue on her abdomen. Um, We worked on hip mobility, right? People aren't just straight sticks when they're having sex. We need to make sure that that the hips... These pelvic floor, the pelvic floor muscles are just hip muscles, so we need to be doing a lot of hip stretches. Maybe I need to do a little bit of hip and core strengthening to stabilize this new range that we're adding. And then um, we did work on working on the inside. Um, at first, this person, when I go to stick my finger in, she actually couldn't even tolerate my finger. I had to use my pinky. Um, and she, she was usually with the exam, we use our index finger. So she couldn't tolerate the index finger Mm -hmm. is what she's saying. Yeah. So with the glove finger and lubricant go on the inside. And at that point, she knows she's safe. She gave me consent, but her body and she wants me to check. She wants me to see what's wrong, Mm -hmm. but her knees are closing. She's like hyperventilating and, and we can't get past that. Right. And so, um, what we do in therapy is we just do a little bit of exposure therapy where I start to try and stretch out those muscles. Um, we may use dilators where dilators are um, 
everyone thinks that they look like little dildos basically, but um, they're little, they can be silicone, plastic, um, you insert them into the vagina and they slowly stretch those muscles and those tissues over time. And so typically a person will do this lying on their back or in a bathtub, putting it in for about five minutes or so. Sometimes it feels like they're going to hit a wall. Sometimes they feel like they can't get past it. But then we teach them different techniques to be able to get them to relax their pelvic floor mm -hmm. um, a little bit better. So yeah, bouncing off of that too, maybe we talk about different common things that patients report when they do have pain with sex, right? Oh, yeah. So sometimes it's not just, oh, it's painful. A lot of people, like she had just mentioned, say, feels like it's hitting a wall. It feels like something's going to tear. Mm -hmm. It feels like a, a burning sensation or mm -hmm. feels like things just can't relax down there. Mm -hmm. And so um, when we talk about the pelvic floor muscles, there is a certain level of tightness of those muscles naturally what is considered normal but if those muscles are overly tight and have too much tension a lot of times then they develop tender points or um, points that feel uncomfortable to touch mm -hmm. so if you were to for example press on a tight muscle within your neck like and it's like a trigger point typically. a trigger point yeah and and it was painful or it's like a knot everyone describes it's like oh i have a knot in my neck yeah and it was painful, then the same thing could happen within the pelvic floor too. Mm -hmm. And so those muscles develop those tender points. And so, um, <laughs> do you remember that one time I went to work and I was like, I really need you to release this. And I was like, and you did it. And or, this, I meant my neck. No one can see that. I, I didn't say vagina. Um, I was like, I really need you to release this. I need you to work on my vagina right now. <laughs> no, sometimes I may have said that, but um, I was like, I really need you to release my neck. And then you did that. And I was like, oh, do you want me to do yours? And you're like, no, I'm fine. Remember, you're like, oh, I'm totally yeah. fine. Well, my neck muscles at that time didn't feel tight. And she's like, no, I think you need it. And I was like, mm, okay, go ahead. And she goes and... It was like a rock. It was... She pressed on... Because you can find the first rib when you press on the neck. And she found it. And my first rib was like elevated all the way up to my ear. And she, she pressed it down. And afterwards, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that my body needed that sort of like release. And a lot of, right, we hold this tension within exactly our bodies yeah. without realizing it. And over time, um, our bodies don't even Adapt remember and... that what normal was. Yeah. And so over time, it can get tighter and tighter. And that's... That's exactly what happens with the pelvic floor. Yeah. Like we get a lot of tension and yeah, our bodies just have that tightness. And so when we're looking at that tightness in the pelvic floor... When I'm touching a muscle on the inside, um, it can feel really intense. A lot of people will describe it feels like a sharp, stabbing, raw, burny, pinching, or a like just a pressure feeling. And it's the reason you don't feel that when you're over the skin. It's it's because I'm actually touching the muscle. I'm touching on that inside, and it feels a lot more intense. Mm -hmm. um, this is my favorite population to treat. I just love it. But um, a lot of times you can reproduce the patient's pain, and if we can reproduce someone's pain, we can take it away. So typically the first indication that you may be experiencing this is pain with tampon use or pain with a speculum during a medical exam. Mm -hmm. Those are probably the two biggest things that people are like, oh, years ago, I was, I just thought I could never use that. Well, that was your first sign that you may have pain with sex. So if you know someone, they might need to see a pelvic floor therapist early on. So, yeah. yeah. Even with, when it comes to sex, like Courtney was mentioning earlier, we're not just stationary, like lying on your back only. There's mm -hmm. movement that's involved. And so 
sometimes people have pain even in different positions, right? There's a whole like orthopedic consideration to this, meaning there's right when you're in hands and knees position, when you're lying on your back, when you're lying on your side, your, your pelvis position changes. And so that changes your muscles too. Mm -hmm. And depending on what position you're in, um, people might have pain or discomfort. It might be putting more pressure on an area that has more tightness as well. Mm -hmm. And so that can be common as well. So yeah. So I'll have, I'll tell couples, okay, instead of just trying a missionary, why don't you try um, her on her side or her on top? Um, Try different positions first, as opposed to trying that one. Um, and you'll find that the muscles will be able to relax in different ways. Or even and, using different pillows to help prop yeah. your your legs up or mm-hmm. pillow between the knees if you're on the side or pillow under the knees, you know, if you're in butterfly on your back, that mm-hmm. kind of thing to help with better relaxation of the muscles. Yeah. And typically, and I, when I say couples, I do mean couples. Like, we'll do couple sessions. So, and this is my favorite. I love it. I think it's so fun. Like, I love bringing the partner in and them... I think the most important thing or why this is one of my favorite things to treat is that, you know, if we had like a back pain, ankle sprain, that's, that's, that's just what it is. It's pain. But when you can't be intimate with someone, that's the difference between like a friendship and an actual relationship. And I think this is one of the most important things to treat. And so when I have that partner in the room and I can reproduce the pain and they're having, and their partner's having that same reaction that they're probably having behind, no pun intended, like behind closed doors, it just shows them, you know, it's not you. It's mm-hmm. these it's these dumb muscles. And yeah. they can 